0: As God's word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you.
1: Renewed zeal for God's covenant follows on the heels of spiritual revival. Zeal for God's covenant, what is that? Zeal for the covenant is when it pulsates in the hearts of Christians that we are made the friends and servants of God, by grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we stand in awe of his word, I will be thy God, and ye shall be my people. We fall as Christians, as God's people, into the sin of spiritual stupor, of becoming complacent of God. Indifferent, detached, resentful, and apathetic. Covenant renewal is when we are, by the Spirit, made alert, thankful, committed, devoted to live in a bond of fellowship with our God, a bond of fellowship that will be seen in faithful marriages, Sabbath-keeping, deeds of mercy, and devotion to God's house. Renewed zeal for the covenant follows upon the heels of spiritual revival, In chapters 8 and 9 of Nehemiah, we are told of a spiritual revival among God's people which brought them back to the Word, back to worshiping God, back to humility and confession of sin. How did that revival happen? Was there some principle of church growth at work here? No, it was sparked by a man, a man who arrived in Jerusalem named Nehemiah, who was not a preacher, but he was a man who sought the welfare of God's people. Under his determined and godly leadership, the care of which was, the core rather, of which was an unshakable trust in God to do what God had called him to do, the walls of Jerusalem, we see, have been built and things have been put in order and then under Nehemiah's direction a pulpit of wood has been erected and the word of god has been preached faithfully to the people the people of god have begun to begun to worship in the light of god's goodness and confessing their sin and seeking god's mercy and because of all of this we read chapter 9 Nehemiah 9:38 9, and because of all this we Make a sure covenant and write it down. And then we read further in chapter 10, verse 29, We will cleave to our brethren, and we will enter into a curse and an oath to walk in the God's law. Because of all this, because of this spiritual revival, they are now brought back to a renewed zeal for godly covenant living. For living as a child of God, as a friend of God through grace in Jesus Christ. They would be zealous for this covenant, specifically by maintaining godly faithful marriages, by observing the Sabbath day, by doing deeds of mercy, and by being devoted to God's house. Let's look at that. I speak to you today on Covenant Renewal. The people of God, under Nehemiah's leadership, now recognized the horrible indifference to the covenant that had characterized them since returning from captivity in Babylon. The covenant, again, is the bond of living fellowship and love that the people of God stand in with God, established by God's grace in Jesus Christ. After the initial excitement of returning from Babylon 70 years before, Under Zerubbabel, they had begun to realize the extent of the struggles that they would have as a beleaguered people of God. And a dead orthodoxy spread among them. A mere outward going through the motions and taking for granted and complacency began to characterize them. And with it came a materialism that they set their heart on the earthly and the treasures below and a tolerance of prevailing sin. God sent prophets. Haggai. And Malachi, to prod them and to poke them into repentance. But now, God's people at the time of Nehemiah saw their sins and have seen their sins in the light of God's goodness, as we have pointed out to you in the last two Sundays in that beautiful ninth chapter of Nehemiah. And because of all of this, that is, because They have now seen God's goodness, and seen their sin, and seen their need of God's mercy. Because of all of this, they say, in verse 38 of chapter 9, we make a sure covenant. Not a new covenant, not for the first time, but a vow to be faithful to the covenant. The covenant that was established by God with them. For God had made a bond of love with them. The same bond that exists right now. In God's bond of love to the church and to us, God's one glorious covenant. This covenant in the scripture is not of a human origin. That is, the bond of love and friendship with God is not a bond that arises out of the soil of the earth. It's not as a plant poking its way through the earth and then catching God's eye and then heaven responding to earth. No, this covenant comes down. I will establish my covenant, says the Heavenly One. I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. This covenant is established with us through the cross of Jesus Christ, not as a result of men bartering with God and seeking to come to terms of an agreement whereby the two of us can, after all, get along a little bit, but it is of God's grace that he comes down to choose us to be his friends and graciously to work in us Jeremiah 31, But this shall be the covenant I will make with them. I will put my law in their inward part and write it in their hearts, and they shall know the Lord, the covenant is God, God coming down in his grace to sinful men and women, working in them according to his mercy and drawing them close to his own heart. The people of God in this covenant in the days of Nehemiah want to renew that covenant. They want to affirm that covenant. We make a sure covenant, they say. We give a fixed resolution that we will live our life as the friends of God on earth. We write it down, exactly what we vow and pledge before God, and we set a seal to it, that is, we sign it, they said. Put my name down there, record my name. And we read that there were 22 priests, 17 Levites, and 44 princes who vowed and wrote their name. What is the fact then that is revealed in the 10th chapter of Nehemiah? This fact, that when spiritual revival worked by the Spirit moves among God's people. When their hearts are pricked and when they are awed over the majesty of God and lost in wonder and in awe over His mercy, the result will be that they shall be resolved henceforward to live in covenant faithfulness with God in simple language. When you know God as God and you experience pardon and compassion to you, the sinner, you will be resolved, you will be intent, you will be devoted in your life to live in all the parts of your life as the friend of God in Christ. This points out to us that as Christians we battle the sin of spiritual callousness, of the loss of zeal, for God is our friend. The great enemies against our Christian faith are the sins of complacency <clears throat> Especially complacency if we have been brought up by God's mercy within the confines of the church and the covenant of God and raised among the blessings of the gospel of grace and showered with His goodness. So readily our flesh will make all of this outward and we will begin to excuse ourselves of our sin of drinking and swearing and dishonesty. Spiritual decline, you know, is seldom a blowout. Most often it's a slow leak. Renewal of the covenant must be brought when the gospel pricks into our hearts and humbles us as sinners. There can also be the reason that we grow indifferent to the covenant because of discouragements and struggles. As we seek to live a faithful life, we say, what's the use? The problems are insurmountable. Or... Materialism can erode our zeal for the covenant of God. How many Christian homes in the day of prosperity, how many Christian homes have parents at home? Parents that are teaching, fathers that are teaching their children. With all the materialism, with all the things, with all the greed, how often are not the lives of Christians characterized with selfishness and bickering in their relationships? Because things, possessions, and money become the object of the heart. Oh, we need a renewal of the covenant. We need to see God as our treasure. We need to see that the only thing that matters is the relationship in which we stand to Him. Let's take note that when there is spiritual revival, that is, when the Word of God is living and moving among the people of God, truly, They will be resolved from the heart to live a God-centered, covenant life as the friend of God. Now in the days of Nehemiah, they did not leave it to the general, but they nailed it down to some specifics. They said, first of all, that our renewal of the covenant, of being a friend of God in this world, will be seen in our marriages. We read in verse 30 of chapter 10, and that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. The first particular that they mention concerning how they shall live as the friend of God is that this will be seen in our marriages. Why? Well, because who you marry and the spiritual life of your marriage has everything to do with your enjoying the fellowship of God because of the crucial place that God has given to marriage in the experience of His covenant love. Who you marry affects profoundly your relationship to God. God has made life's most intimate bond, marriage, a picture of a higher bond, His covenant. This truth controls marriage. This truth shapes marriage. This truth is to be applied to every dimension of marriage. That means marry only in the Lord. That means live in marriage even as God lives with His people. You must be characterized by forgiveness and by faithfulness. You must seek someone who is loyal to God. Marry that person. And you must be faithful, faithful even unto death to that person. It means young men... Be men of God. Be spiritual. Prepare yourself for marriage. Not just a member of the church, that's good. But then as you date, you must show sensitivity to God and to His law. You must know how to treat her already when you're dating with her. You don't take liberties. You don't drag her around like some trophy. You develop a relationship with her through prayer and through the word of God. And through reading the word of God with her and through praying with her and girls, you need to look for a leader. Not just a leader, someone who pulls you around, but you must look to that leader who brings to you the care and the protection of the living God. You have to look to his life as he lives before God. Is he subdued and is he a loyal servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is crucial. This is absolutely crucial for your marriage. The very first thing that will be seen when the covenant is loved among God's people that God's people are living in awareness of God's covenant will be that they establish God-centered marriages to which they are faithful till death do them part. The second evidence of their covenant renewal was seen in Sabbath keeping. We read in verse 31, and if the people of the land bring ware or victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath day or on the holy day. That's second, and that's crucial too, how we observe the Lord's day. Why? Well, because there is also an intimate and inseparable connection between Sabbath keeping and covenant living. Between how you keep Sunday and how you live as a friend of God, Your whole life. There is an inseparable relationship between them. The Sabbath is the special day of friendship and fellowship with God. It is the day when you are released by your Master, God, from your earthly obligations, so that you can come home and enter into His presence and commune with Him and give the whole day to fellowship with Him. The purpose of the Sabbath is covenant that you might enter into a special bond, a special time of fellowship with God. Now the people in Nehemiah's day were vowing something about their friendship with God. They said that this friendship of God will mean that we will not engage in commerce. We will not buy wares of the people of the land on the Lord's day. And therefore the Lord's day is not a day for shopping at the mall, browsing through the shops and Comparing prices and styles and clipping out coupons. It is the market day for the soul. You may on the Lord's Day buy, peruse, clip out, and store up all the rares, all the good things, all the valuables of Jesus Christ. It is the day that you are to come home. Enter into Father's house where mercy waits, and He will talk with you. The Sabbath is also a wonderful witnessing opportunity for the covenant of God. The Christian shop owner closes up his shop once a week. Your neighbors see you on the way to church. You haul the kids into the van, and they watch you leave for church. You witness to them. You leave them in no doubt that you have an allegiance. You have an allegiance to God, an allegiance that's first. You say, my allegiance to God transcends business interest. It transcends and is greater than domestic concerns. It is more to me than social obligations. It is more than to me than a beautiful day at the beach. You say, my God counts. My God is best. Twice a Sunday. And you leave a witness. But when you allow more and more of the world to enter into your life, and then it comes into Sunday... And you come to Sunday either totally exhausted because you've given everything, your substance, to the things of this life. Or you allow the actions of this world to affect your Sunday. Then, on Monday morning, talk to your neighbor once. Or in work and say, you know, my God is wonderful. And that's about the way you're going to have to say it too. Because... It's not apparent to them that your God is wonderful. It's not apparent to the world if Christians, if Christians despise the Lord's Day, make the Lord's Day as any other day, then the witness that the Christian is leaving with the world is not that God is wonderful. That God really doesn't matter. The third thing that showed their renewal to the covenant was this, that they were going to express themselves in selfless deeds of mercy. We read in verse 31 of chapter 10, And this we will do. We will show mercy to those, and I am paraphrasing now, we will show mercy to those who are indebted to us. And that mercy that they would show, we will not go into the details, was, of course, the reflection of his love. When you are resolved to live a covenant, faithful life, then you will have mercy toward one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. A good barometer of the reality of your heart toward God is how you stand toward your brothers and sisters and whether you are sensitive to their needs. Do you say, well, I got mine, Let him get his. He hurt me, I'll get him back. Or I'll just withdraw from the whole business. If you bear a grudge, if you view them all as sinners because of what they did to you, if you're ruled by jealousy and judgmental actions, that's sin. No, when we stand in the covenant of God, then we say, I will forgive. I will put the best construction on the actions of others. I will want them to prosper, and we will go out of our way to show mercy and kindness. Number four, covenant renewal in that day of Nehemiah was seen in renewed devotion to the church. And we take that from many verses in that chapter, in which they say, and we will not forsake the house of our God. They will be devoted to the house of God. Devotion to the church is intimately tied to living as God's friend in the covenant. Why? Because above all other things, above marriage, above Sabbath keeping, above deeds of mercy, above them, it is in the church that God draws near to us in worship. There is where he comes down. Children, where is the spot on earth closest to heaven? On this side of the grave, what's the spot closest to heaven? It's the worship of the church. That means that if you are to live as a friend of God in this world, you must support the church, you must be involved in the church. And the people of God God in Nehemiah's day became very specific at this point. They said, we will bring in offering, we will bring in wood, we will bring in bread, we will bring in the first fruits. They recognized their responsibility to give, to contribute. They supported the church. The people of God in Nehemiah's day are again renewed to covenant faithfulness in their life. We make a sure covenant, they said. We write our names and we seal unto it. We sign it as an expression of our personal resolve by the grace of God. We seal it. We are vowing. This was the result of God's grace among them. The result of God's grace among you is that you make a commitment. You make a commitment by God's grace that you shall live as the friend of God the friend of God in your marriage, the friend of God on the Sabbath, the friend of God by showing mercy, the friend of God by being devoted to the church and to the house of God. You will sign it. You will say, put my name down. Count me in. This is the commitment that comes when the Holy Spirit sparks true godly revival in our hearts. Because He has forgiven us, and has had compassion upon us, and has become our God. We pledge to live as his friends in marriage, Sabbath-keeping, deeds of mercy, and devotion to the church. This is a blessing, for to live as the covenant friend of God in love and fellowship with God is a life of hope and joy and peace. It's the beginning of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we pray that this same renewal of living as the Friend of God may so characterize our lives. May it come down to the specifics of our life, that we live in marriage faithfully, that we keep the Lord's Day joyfully, that we perform deeds of mercy humbly, and that we are committed to Thy Church on earth enthusiastically and with our all. Grant us this grace, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: The Gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, Feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.